I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we got a lot of ground to cover on the fastest 60 minutes of radio so fast today because there is a press conference coming up at the bottom of the hour that KSL News Radio will take uh, with Governor Gary Herbert. Uh, the Coronavirus Task Force uh, will give their report on a number of things today. So we'll pick that up at 1135. So for the next 30 minutes, uh, we will be here to, to break things down and really help you do what we always strive to do, help you to slow it down just a little bit, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense today. And obviously a lot of breakdown going on as it relates to uh, the debate last night, winners and losers and all of those things. Uh, and to me, it's it's less about who won the debate. Uh, it's more about what was the job to be done and did they do that job? Uh, because it was really about these undecided voters, the movable middle, as we often refer to them. Uh, were the messages effective in moving those folks to either lean one way or the other or to actually show up and vote uh, or to move from their uh, couch to their kitchen table to cast a vote this year. So uh, to me, that's the kind of the interesting portions of the debate and the breakdown last night. Uh, It was obviously much more civil in terms of tone uh, than the previous presidential debate, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make it a great debate. Uh, I, I felt like I was in a time warp for part of the debate where the question asked and the answer given had nothing to do with each other. And the moderator just let that slide and then moved on to the next question. And so I think that was a, a bit of a failure there in terms of the moderation uh, to keep him on path. And, and we ended up with a lot of just the pre-scripted, pre-produced uh, sound bites uh, on the issues they wanted to talk about. And so that was an interesting thing to to watch and monitor. Of course, we were uh, up at the University of Utah throughout the day yesterday. KSL News Radio broadcast from the U uh, all day long, and and then being inside the bubble there as the uh, debate approached was was just interesting. There's always an interesting feeling and dynamic going into those kinds of debates. I think there was a bit of an exhale uh, as everyone realized that this was going to be okay. Uh, but again, a lot of it was uh, a, a lot of hits uh, and misses as it relates to the two candidates in terms of, of where they went. And this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, I was talking to my friend Scott Rasmussen, and we were breaking down some of the things in terms of how do you, what is the proper way to give a rebuttal uh, in a debate? And of course, we've been looking at technology and, and how that all plays out uh, in a presidential debate. And he said, you know, interesting, uh, of course, the first televised debates were those in 1960 between Kennedy and Nixon. And we're going to come back to those in a second on a different point. Uh, but the really interesting in the first debate, the opening statements from each candidate were nine minutes long, nine minutes. 
but they were very focused. Uh, they had a mission uh, to get through. And then really interesting, the first ever broadcast, TV broadcast, of a rebuttal to an opponent uh, was after uh, then-Senator Kennedy uh, had hit uh, then-Vice President Nixon on a number of issues in a response. And when he was asked if he wanted to give a rebuttal, the first things the first things that uh, Nixon said were, Senator Kennedy and I agree on many of the issues. Now think about that for a second. He was acknowledging that even though he was the Republican, Kennedy was the Democrat, big battles going on, really fierce contest in terms of that campaign, and he led with unity. He led, uh, and again, ironic, given where the Nixon presidency went, uh, but it was unity. His response was, we agree on the vast majority of these issues. Can you imagine that coming out in 2020? Interesting to think about. Uh, so how do you actually get through and do that? So one of the things that I want to ask uh, all of you today, I don't want to know, I don't know, want to know if you think that uh, Kamala Harris won the debate or if Mike Pence won the debate. Uh, what I want to know is, did they influence you? Did you learn something? Did you gain insight about something? Uh, and if you did, let us know uh, on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line, 57500 and 57500. If you learned something last night, if you gained some insight, either about the candidate you like or the candidate you're against, uh, let us know, because I think that's the fascinating thing. It's it's not about who won and who lost. It's about who influenced and what did you learn? Because if you didn't learn anything new, that's a that's not a winning debate for your person regardless of which side of the aisle they're on. So we have to get to a, a little different space in terms of, of those. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, the debate really kind of went back and forth on a host of things. Uh, again, most of them just not answering any of the questions. Um, do we end up with the cut from Frank Luntz in there? No? Okay. All right. I uh, was just checking. We thought we had one little piece there. So, so interesting to look at the uh, focus groups and the poll testing that was going on overnight. Um, and most of it uh, was was not about substance. It was about style. And so that's to me, that's the really interesting thing. Uh, I think some people felt that uh, Kamala Harris was a little too, too much the prosecutor. Uh, I think that was the only thing in terms of uh, style. I think that was the, the challenge because people... People don't want a prosecutor. They want a leader. And while I think uh, Senator Harris had some very fine moments and some some good opportunities, uh, and part of what she had to do was reintroduce herself to a, a lot of the American people, so she, I think she did that. Uh, Vice President Pence, of course, uh, had to both defend the record uh, and project confidence moving forward. And I think he did that in a number of, of places today. Uh, but I want to pivot uh because there was so much pivoting going on last night. It seems like every question was a pivot. Uh, regardless of what was asked, there was a pivot to something else, uh, which, again, just doesn't help us do the job to be done. The job to be done of a debate is to create insight and influence uh, and help people learn something new. And It's not about the base of either party. Those have been secured for a long time. They're not moving. And 
uh, I don't think we did a lot for the movable middle today uh, in terms of, of the debate. Uh, I do want to give a, a quick shout out uh, to the University of Utah. They, they ran this thing incredibly well. Uh, President Ruth Watkins uh, just did an extraordinary job up there. Jason Perry uh, and his team at the Hinckley Institute of Politics uh, were absolutely fabulous. But I have to tell you, the thing that was most impressive to me coming out of that was that the University of Utah, rather than giving tickets, uh, they only get so many tickets from the uh, Committee on Presidential Debates, and they gave all of their tickets to the students. So even Jason Perry, or is the, Perry is the head of the Hinckley Institute of Politics, uh, was not sit- seated inside the room. He watched elsewhere so that the students could have those places. Uh, and then uh, President Watkins, uh, in a show of unity for all higher education in Utah, did provide one ticket to each of the uh, the universities, again, as a sign of unity for Utah higher education. I thought that was really class. Most of these debates that I've been to uh, have been filled with nothing but boosters, donors, and lobbyists. And so it was very refreshing to see a uh, a university that was at a moment where they could have done some things for the uh, people that support them. They, they chose to focus on the students. So kudos to the University of Utah on that one. Uh, we're going to sneak in one last thing here as we before we roll into break, uh, and that is there's been a lot of discussion about the next debate, which is a presidential debate. It's been announced that it would be a virtual debate. And President Trump immediately had uh, come out and said he's not participating in that. Joe Biden says he's not sure what the rules are because they weren't consulted either, uh, which is a very complicated thing. I don't know how the debate commission could do that without consulting the campaigns. But the thing I want to emphasize here is this would not be the first virtual debate in our history. The first actually came in 1960. It was the third debate between Senator John F. Kennedy and Vice President Richard Nixon. Uh, Just listen to this sound of how this uh, began uh, a remote debate. It it wasn't Zoom, but it was kind of Zoom technology. Good evening. I'm Bill Shadell of ABC News. It's my privilege this evening to preside at this, the third in the series of meetings on radio and television of the two major presidential candidates. Unlike the first two programs, however, the two candidates will not be sharing the same platform. In New York, the Democratic presidential nominee, Senator John F. Kennedy, separated by 3,000 miles in a Los Angeles studio, the Republican presidential nominee, Vice President Richard M. Nixon. Now joined for tonight's discussion by a network of electronic facilities which permits each candidate to see and hear the other. (laughs) Technology that allowed them to see and hear the other, even though they were 3,000 miles away. That was the first virtual debate in 1960. So it clearly can be done. Uh, How we get it done uh, is interesting. You should go back and watch that debate. Very civil and actually very informative. So it can be done, uh, but it's got to be done right. And I think we'll be talking about that uh, all the way through the weekend. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we're going to do a little behind the scenes from last night. little political bingo at the debate stage. Paul Nelson's going to join us next. And then a big birthday shout out uh, coming up. Uh, don't want to miss this. 92 years. Watch out. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. 
I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we were talking, just uh, rounding out that first segment, uh, you know, one of the things I love about being able to kind of straddle this position between my work here at KSL News Radio and my work at the Deseret News uh, is that I get to have amazing conversations with people who always challenge my thinking. Uh, and actually, this morning, it was my conversation with Amanda Dixon on the morning show. Uh, where I started thinking, okay, have we ever done a virtual debate before? Uh, and that led me to the 1963rd debate where uh, Kennedy was in New York and Nixon was in L.A. And they were connected via technology all the way back in 1960. They could see each other. They could hear each other. And they had an extraordinary debate, very civil. Uh, so big shout out to uh, Amanda Dixon. Always appreciate those conversations. And yesterday I got to hang out uh, with our own Paul Nelson. And uh, when, when you're behind the scenes there and inside the bubble at a presidential debate, you have to figure out ways to be creative and, and have a little fun and keep your sanity. Uh, and Paul did that for us. And so uh, if you watched on the uh, KSL Facebook page yesterday, uh, Paul uh, challenged me to the, uh, the big game of uh, debate night bingo. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us for to break down because this was a contest with a bet with a uh, undis- <laughs> undisclosed prize yeah, we, that Mark Duke well, we and Kevin are going to take care of. <laughs> All right. So I think uh, it, we need to make it really expensive because you definitely won. And it was a, a, a game that I kind of regret uh, uh, proposing to you because I kind of got my clocks clean, to be honest with you. I was, <laughs> I was one away from one bingo, um, and I was two away from the bingo that I thought was going to win. Now, I, I actually thought this combination was going to win, starting with the American people. Now, that was actually used more than any other yes, words that I can think of. That's right. <laughs> um, and I was uh, I was convinced that they were going to talk about fake news. Yep. And I thought that they were going to use the term red states. And they didn't use fake news or red states, which really surprised Shocker. me. Shocker, yeah. you... You remember when you said that you normally charge for a political analysis? <laughs> uh, I can see why, because it was literally the combination that you picked that was the winning combination for debate bingo. Um, it was pandemic, Obamacare, uh, the free space at the U, tariffs, and Supreme Court. Now, I remember. Uh, th- you gave me a little that, grief about one of those. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was tariffs. I, I remember. See, here's what happened last night, guys. I uh, He. I asked him, like, do you really think that they're going to talk about tariffs? And Boyd said, yeah, I think they're going to talk about it when they talk about, say, trade and they talk about things of China, you know, related to China. So, yeah, I think tariffs are going to be on there. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> and sure enough, the word tariff gets on. And then you guys got to picture this in your mind. The word tariff gets hit. I grabbed the marker to mark down that that word was actually said. Boyd, in the corner of my eye, I can see Boyd leading over. And then... Making sure that I mark it down, and then I, in my ear, I hear, "Just making sure," and then, he, <laughs> and then he backs up, 
And then sure enough, yeah, Obamacare was the the winning word for him, and that's the that's the combination that's that he got there. So awesome. Well, Paul, we appreciated all yeah. your reporting up there uh, throughout the day and uh, into the evening last night, and it it was fun to uh, be socially distanced. We had our own, which is really rare yeah. in a media tent to get a table all to yourself. Uh, but it was great yeah. to have you up there, and uh, appreciate your insight as always here on KSL News Radio. And we'll figure out what uh, Mark and Kevin are going to buy me for the prize for winning. It'll have to be something expensive because, uh, you know, you said you charge anyway. So this is put the put the prize on top of your feet. All right. There we go. Sounds good. Paul Nelson, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. All right. Uh, it was a lot of fun up there last night at the U, uh, playing a little bit of uh, debate night bingo. Uh, and uh, I, I got the straight. I picked the right one. So it was it was a good thing. Always like to win that. Uh, so last thing we want to do today before uh, we get, uh, if you're just uh, tuning in, there will be a press conference uh, with Governor Gary Herbert and the Coronavirus Task Force coming up here at the bottom of the hour. KSL News Radio will cover that live, of course, and uh, more reporting on that throughout the day. Uh, but I wanted to round out today uh, with a, a little birthday shout out. Uh, M. Russell Ballard, who is the acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, turns 92 today. And uh, he is the longest serving general authority uh, in the church, and uh, a man of just immense talent and experience. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with some of my colleagues uh, and interview President Ballard prior to uh, his birthday today, and it was interesting. He he actually talked about uh, a principle that we often share on this program, and the way President Ballard described it uh, was just really powerful to me. So uh, here's a little bit in terms of how this man, 92 years old, uh, his long service in a worldwide church, and his approach of how you actually get things done. The simplicity, the clarity of this glorious message works every time. They've already put on the headstone, and my kids did. Barbara's buried there, and so on the back of the headstone, they've put, keep it simple. Can you imagine that? Me wanting ever saying, keep it simple. I'm a great advocate of keeping it simple because uh, simplicity is powerful. Complexity is dangerous. I think Lucifer is the master of complexity, and the Lord is the master of simplicity. The gospel is simple, and it's simply beautiful. Simplicity. Uh, Simplicity is powerful. Complexity is dangerous. And if you think of all the things, especially as we look at this uh, very raucous political season that we're in, it's the complexity that usually gets us into trouble. It's the complexity that's preventing members of Congress and the president from getting something done in terms of some coronavirus relief to our small businesses and our entrepreneurs. It's the complexity uh, that prevents us from actually getting to real conversations uh, about race or social injustice or criminal justice reform. It's complexity, not simplicity, that prevents us from having conversations about immigration where we can actually prove that rule of law and compassion are compatible principles. And so it's that simplicity that we have to get to. And when we don't do that, uh, that's where we start to, to break down. That's where arguments begin. Arguments always begin in the complexity of things. When you're dealing with the essence of things, you're more likely to have a real conversation, an authentic conversation, and a productive conversation. 
But when everything becomes so calm, I remember it in the United States Senate, uh, one of the great lines of the leaders of both parties, by the way, when they were refusing to get something done, they would just say, well, the American people have to understand that this is complicated, that this is hard. Well, it's hard because they make it complicated. And by making it complicated, it makes it harder for people to understand, which means it makes it harder for people to hold them accountable for doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so we need to make sure we can have that kind of clarity in the things that we do, that focus in the things that we do. Because if we can do that, if we can get to what is essential, what is simple, rather than what is complicated and complex and filled with contempt, uh, that's the real hope for the country. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today here on Inside Sources. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, remember, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that will make a difference. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.